have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. Hey, this is Yuck Yuck the Clown. And you're listening to the I Know You Hear Me podcast with my good buddy, Flynn Hendricks. <laughs> Hi, I'm Will Harridge, and I'm an audio engineer. But you would not believe the amount of mediocre voice actors I get in on the daily. It's scary, honestly. I always want to recommend them to Elise Bowman, who's the best voice acting coach I know but I'm always afraid I'm going to offend them and be out of a job. Thankfully, I send the best ones over to her anyway over at EliseCoaches.com, and they keep coming back. Hi, I'm one of the mediocre talents that Will has to work with, and really, I'm thinking about looking up Elise myself. Go look at Elise Coaches today and start your career without ending mine. What he said. Welcome back, everybody, and I know you hear me when I say that this is going to be an awesome awesome episode of the I Know You Hear Me podcast. And I got to throw a little jab in real quick because we got a mutual friend of ours that's being a holdout about coming off, uh, coming on this show here. So uh, somebody on Team Shonda out in Shondaland, you're missing the ball here. But we're going to have some fun with tonight's guest. But seriously, before we go any further, though, I want to introduce myself. If this is your first episode, you picked a great one to tune in on. My name is Flynn Hendricks, and I'm going to be your host for this episode. And any other episodes you may choose to go back in the archives and dive into. I've got over a year's worth of audio quality there for you to go listen to. And I've also got another podcast. If you like all things spooky and you need that Halloween fix, go check out my other podcast, Tales from the Haunt, as well. Both of these podcasts are available on all podcasting platforms. We would appreciate a five-star and written review if you think we've earned it. And we would also appreciate being connected with you on social media because we want to know what you're into and we want you to keep up with what we got going on. But on top of that, too, you're also about to find out that we have merchandise available. Portions of the sales go to a great cause like the Nashville Humane Society or local rescue shelters. Check out our merch. We've got information in the show notes about how you can buy our shirts directly from us. Or if you want to go to my Pro Wrestling Tees store, I've got links for all that in the show notes. And here's the real kicker, too. If you want to shout out on the podcast and on social media, send us a picture of you wearing that merch and we'll get your name out there and I won't think twice about doing it. And also, too, man, I'm going to sound like a shill right now and I apologize, but I got to keep this podcast going, guys. If you want to advertise your services or products on this show, guys, slide into my Gmail. I've got the information in the show notes. If you've got a great product that you want to get out to the world, I've got a growing worldwide audience, and I want to help you get it out there. So check the show notes. Send it to me. I've got information about the subject line as well. I want to help you get word out. 
Guys, this one is one that, man, again, um, if you've listened to any of my previous episodes, you've you've heard me interview several people from the illustrious Bloomvox voiceover community. And this is another guy that I've known for, man, uh, I guess two, maybe three years now. Like we've chatted, you know, on social media, we've been connected through the Bloomvox community, but we've never actually had a chance to sit down and chat one-on-one. And on top of that, too, this guy's got a pretty extensive record. I mean, not only does he have a vast acting background, this guy is also a recurring member in the Harbor Audio Drama, which you can hear at harborpod.com. He's also a member of the Pochki Audio Chronicles, which previous guest of the show Eric Horowitz was just recently on telling us about. So this is another one of those guys, and I am so excited to have him on the show here tonight. It is my pleasure to have on the show Marcus Canelo. Marcus, how are you, man? Hey, I am doing fantastic. How are you doing tonight man. Uh, over there? I am good. I just hope I did your intro, your intro justice as I got tongue-tied saying that. Are you kidding? Like, I was just listening to you do it. I'm just like, who who is this jerk? <laughs> he could have plugged me more, damn it. <laughs> no, like, I don't know who this guy is, but, man, he must be impossible to be around. I'm glad I – a name Marcus? I mean, God, I mean, they're kidding Marcus. I mean, I, I don't even know any Marcuses anymore. It's 2022. <laughs> You're the unicorn, my friend. But all right. man, in all seriousness, though, I'm glad to actually like be connected and be sitting down here chatting with you because like I said, we've been connected for well, time has no meaning anymore thanks to a pandemic, but this is true, yeah. You know, like we I, I've seen your name pop up several times in the Bloombox community. I've seen you in all the virtual, you know, workshops and classes that we do, but we've never got that chance to actually sit down and talk and we've had mutual friends that I just threw a jab at on there. You know, it's like <laughs> all things just it's crazy how small of a world it is, but then you don't actually get to talk to these people unless you just like carve out that time. And I'm so glad that we finally did. I'm so am I. And uh, I just want to say really quickly, if I may do a shout out. Oh, of course. Uh, Joe, Joe Carroll. Hi. How you doing? Joe Falls Carroll. in your cart now. AKA Victor Van Glorious, AKA esteemed author of the best-selling book, Sinful Confessions, who will not hire me or Marcus to narrate said audiobook. What is wrong with you, Joe? And also, what guy, I saw Tay's a wrestler. <laughs> but no, seriously, that's... Again, man, it, it's crazy to think that you know a guy that managed me sporadically over 10 years ago on the Nashville wrestling scene. Like, how crazy is that? I know it's such a small world, and that's like one of the things I love about voiceover is just absolutely all these different people, like from different uh, backgrounds. Yeah, like you'd never even think about this, and it's just amazing how it's just like this, like one unifying thing, you know? Absolutely. But man, before we, I don't want to make this a Joe show. I don't want to make this about me. I want to make this about you. So, like, dude, just mentioning your diverse, like, vast acting background, uh, you know, in your introduction. Take me back to the very beginning and tell me about like what piqued your love and your interest in acting. Like, what drew you into all this? Well, you know that's a, that's a really good question. Um, ever since I was a, a little kid, like I was mm-hmm. always told by my parents that uh, uh, I was always a performer. Like I'd always try to make people laugh and do things like that, and uh, still is uh, true to the, uh, to this day. Uh, where it's just uh, I just love uh, goofing around with friends. Uh, yep. I love doing Shakespeare things like that. Yes. Um, I think I first started, uh, God, I must have been in fifth grade. That must have been <laughs> years ago. Um, 
And uh, I was uh, just kind of drafted into our uh, school's elementary school uh, production of uh, The Music Man. Right. Uh, okay. Where like a, a teacher just, uh, I was just like singing, com- uh, reading a class one day. I was like reading a comic book or something. And uh, the music teacher was just like, you, you, get up, get up. Okay. Yeah. What did I do? No, 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 nothing, nothing. Okay. Read this. Okay. You're funny. You should be on our show. It's like, okay. Your first so, audition. Uh, my first edition, and it's just like, okay, well, you know, all right, uh, I can't uh, can't argue with that, right? Uh, so uh, I remember doing that, and then in sixth grade, we did a production of Julius Caesar, oh, which, which of course went as well as you could expect because uh, you know, being able to like accurately like uh, embody the the soul of an assassin and a political operative, and have a twelve year old do it, it's so believable. Uh, and then uh, yeah, so I did that as a kid, and then uh, I relocated. Uh, when, t- when I was in high school, I kind of flirted with it a little bit. Uh, my senior year of high school, uh, I actually uh, went out for community theater. Oh, okay. Uh, and I got cast in uh, the female production of uh, The Odd Couple. Uh, so I was one of the Latin lovers. Nice. Uh, got, a, got a really lovely uh, thank you note from uh, the director, which I actually just found uh, pretty recently when I was just going through some old records. So nice. I'm so glad I kept that. Uh, and then uh, after that, like, uh, took some time away from it. I uh, didn't really think much about it because... Uh, at that time, I was uh, applying to uh, go to uh, the University of Colorado, mm-hmm. and uh, at the time, I wanted to be a film director, so I wanted to study film. Okay. And at the time, that was stupid expensive. Like, uh, oh, I, I lasted my freshman year, and I was just like, I, I can't afford this. So I decided I was going to double major in Japanese and theater, as one Ooh. does. Um, I like it. Wasn't so much of a good student uh, back in the day. <laughs> uh, in my early 20s, was a bit of a, a, bit of a mess up. Um, uh, so uh, I dropped that. I graduated with a degree from with Asian studies. Uh, didn't even think about acting for years. Uh, I, was, I spent some time living abroad. Uh, was an ESL teacher for about eight years or so. Oh, really? Okay. See, I didn't even oh, know yeah. that part of the story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I say, like, God, I, my life is an open book. Ask me anything. I, I dare you. Ask me anything. Right oh, now. man, you actually gave me about three or four questions. And now the challenge is going to be, can I remember them as I ask them? <laughs> but let's let's go. This with, interview is over. <laughs> exactly. Let's go with number one here. Um, yeah. As you're as you're growing up and you're getting more of these, uh, you know, like these middle school and then even going into like community call co- or community theater performances. What is your parents' reaction seeing you, like, chase this – we'll call it an addiction because we all know we get a performance high when we do that. Like, when they oh see God, you yeah. chasing this, are they supportive? Do they think it's a phase that will pass? What's all that like? Well, you know, uh, as an adult, um, I've been uh, pursuing acting professionally for about a decade, and uh, I really feel uh, very lucky because I know there's a lot of people uh, who don't have the same amount of uh, support from family and friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents have just been on board with me the entire time. And uh, of course, like they, they get they do get concerned to me once in a while because of course. Uh, part of it is like, you know, they, they just want to make sure I'm like the only child in my family. So they want to make sure that I'm being taken care of properly. Yeah. And uh, they, they, all, they all want the, they all, they all want the best. And uh, I'm kind right. of stuttering right now. You have to forgive me. And no, you're good. I you're good. <laughs> I, I, and you heard me. You heard me doing the introduction to this show here. It's like sometimes yeah. the mind works faster than the mouth can keep up with. So. Oh yeah, thus yeah. is our curse. <laughs> exactly, but uh, yeah, you know, like, uh, well, it's like when I was growing up. Uh, my my parents are originally uh, from New Jersey, uh, and uh, I'm from there originally. Okay. Uh, so uh, growing up, uh, didn't exactly have um, the happiest of childhoods. So, like, anything that they thought would like help me like uh, bond with people uh, mm-hmm. would uh, be really helpful. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so like whenever they saw that I would do something like that, they were always supportive uh, all the way. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like I say, uh, even when I wasn't doing acting, when I was uh, focusing on other things in my life as I was getting older, uh, they were just supportive the entire time as well. So, you know, it's uh, awesome. I, I feel very blessed and very lucky to have uh, Absolutely. A, a, a structure like that. So Absolutely. And then yeah. the next thing that I wanted to come to uh, was especially like the move uh, going into, I think you said going into high school. Yeah. When when you like in your formative years as a teenager, you make a big relocation like that. What mm -hmm. is it like, you know, not only going into a new area and you know, like meeting new people, but also then too, you know, pursuing that acting, you know, that acting passion too. How do you juggle both of those? Did one kind of like make it like was there any fear or hesitation that made it hard to want to pursue the acting because you didn't know these people that you may have performed with previously, like at your previous school? What was all that like? Well, uh, it was interesting. Um, my uh, my grandmother passed away in uh, 1991. Mm -hmm. So uh, shortly after that, uh, there was a, a series of uh, bad uh, uh, financial things that were going uh -huh. on in New Jersey at the time. My father, unfortunately, got laid off a couple of times. Oh. Um, so he uh, rolled the dice and uh, got a job out in uh, Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I was 13, we all moved out there. And, uh, you know... Um, Again, like I say, just uh, kind of being like a misfit, uh, wild kid, uh, didn't really uh, fit in. So like for me, it was just like a change of scenery. Perfect. Yeah. Yes, let's do this. And then, of course, you know, like when you're like 13, 14 and like pu uh, puberty is hitting and you got all like uh, the hormones and all that. Yeah. Like it kind of went from uh, just like, oh, maybe I can try this to God, I hate everything. Oh, yeah. I just, I just want to put my head down and like. I want to go to college and it's going to be like Animal House. And keep in mind, I was like, this is like the 90s. I didn't realize how tra problematic the movie is. Oh, uh, I don't think anybody really did. Or if we did, we didn't yeah. talk about it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so like, uh, so yeah, just doing that. It was just like every once in a while, it would just be like, okay, why don't I just do this? And uh, right. like, I always, like, I always felt like there was a spark there. But for whatever reason, I just never really decided to fully pursue it until uh, my early 30s. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And that's and that's a something that I've noticed with a lot of people too. It seems kind of like the early '30s, and it's actually something that we'll come back to when we talk about, uh, you know, Steve Bloom here in a little bit. You know, it seems like '30s. Ah, uh, yes, the great Steve Bloom. Yes, the master himself. You know, it, but still, it seems like '30 is almost like the magic number when it comes to people discovering like or pursuing their passion. I'm not sure what it is mm. about that. And we'll unpack that here momentarily. Oh, but, yeah, of course. Um, you know, the next thing that you said that really jumped out was you auditioned for community theater. And mm -hmm. from previous guests on the show that we've had, you know, like that's a big leap from going outside of your middle school or your high school because you get a much wider variety of actors that you're working with. And some of these people may, you know, have decades of experience, may have no mm -hmm. experience. Like you, you just don't know what you're going to encounter. What was it like kind of throwing yourself into the deep end and, you know, auditioning for something at the community level at that point? I was too young and stupid to even be afraid. Oh, uh, it, it was just one of those things where it's like uh, uh, the theater class I was in my uh, senior year of high school. Uh, one of the things that they did have us do is they said uh, uh, to get a grade, you had to at least audition for something. Oh, OK. And uh, so it's just like, OK, just looking around in, uh, in uh, the newspapers and uh, they had a casting notice there. And uh, just answered it. Uh, went down there. I, I don't even remember what I did or what I said, but uh, I must have done something right because they were like, "Yeah, you're in." Right. We found yeah. our Latin lover. 
we found our Latin lover. <laughs> Man, and I was like at like eighteen with like a mustache and uh, debonair good looks. Debonair good looks. I had hair back then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just like being like uh, uh, being like an eighteen year old kid, uh, being surrounded by like a couple of lovely uh, ladies, and just having to say things like, "Ah, oh, yes, of course," but of, but of course you realize that now. Uh, because uh, how you say uh, uh, Spokane or like whatever the lines are right, from the right, play. right, right. <laughs> oh, so man, so smooth, so debonair. I, I felt it. I felt it as it came through right there. But <laughs> the, the biggest thing you just said right there that jumps out to me though is that hmm. you know you were you were too young to be like to know any better to be afraid. Like I, I wish uh, I had that in today's. You know, like I wish Flynn of today would have that just every day going forward oh man marcus of today wishes that as well so you're not alone i think man, i think we all do if yeah. we could have that i don't know if the world would be a better place a braver place or if there'd be a lot more hurt feelings for some people but i know i probably would have asked for about 10 more raises by this point you know that, that might not help there's a good chance i might have had a criminal record if that were the case so it's probably a good thing that i learned <laughs> I, uh, fear I think and control. My, my picture would probably be up on the wall of the police station right by yours if that was the case so and jeff <laughs> jeff's seen it happen with wrestling so but man that's uh, that's still like such a brazen mentality that i think would benefit a lot of people and especially as adults too oh, yeah. we we overanalyze we psychoanalyze everything and if we could just tap back into that especially in the audition process and help ourselves realize that we're enough when we get in there. Like, right. dude, just, it would be unstoppable for us. Like that's just, oh, yeah. and not, not bragging by any means, but anybody that taps into that dude. Oh yeah. The world is absolutely. yours at that point. Oh, absolutely. And it's a skill that uh, it's not something that I feel like you learn just once and you have it. Absolutely. I think it's something that has to be actively uh, cultivated because yeah, yes. it's something that I'm constantly learning how to do as well. Of course. And then, you know, the people you surround yourself with definitely help with that, too, because they have to feed that mentality. And if you have somebody that doesn't feed that mentality, you know, it's just like a vacuum sucking all the energy out of the space right there. Oh, yeah, totally. But um, with that mentality, too, um, yeah. is that something that led you into, uh, you know, teaching ESL abroad? You know, because you mentioned I think you did that for eight years is what you said. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I was getting close uh, to my, the end of my time at CU. And uh, at that point, uh, acting was in the, the in the rearview mirror. I, did, I mm -hmm. didn't even think about it. And uh, at the time, uh, I was a huge uh, Japanophile, uh, big into anime and things like that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I was saying to myself, okay, well, I want to do this. I'm kind of sick of uh, the scene in Colorado here. I'm, I'm just aimless. I, I don't have any, I don't have anything here really. My friends will support me. I know that. So my options were either uh, join the military or uh, go the education route. And uh, personally, like, you know, if you want to go uh, the military route, all, all power to you, man. I just hope that you stay safe. Uh, but for me, it was just uh, decided I was going to apply uh, for uh, ESL schools, uh, got in for one. And uh, just like within the span of a couple of months, it was like, okay, we like your student thesis. Congratulations to your, your degree. Uh, graduation trip graduation present from my parents was a one-way ticket to Japan and uh I was there for about three years wow so what was a uh, what was it like acclimating to the culture over there like how because I mean we've we've all seen pictures and you know I've heard stories from wrestlers that have gone over there and you know lived or worked tours for you know like weeks to months on end 
And, you know, it's just a giant culture shock. So what is what is that like for you, especially, you know, being a fan of the culture, being a fan of anime and everything and getting to be over Mm -hmm. there? Walk me through everything that you experience, you know, like when you first get when you first touch down over there. Okay. well, uh, when I first touched down there, um, I was just dead exhausted because it was such a long plane trip. I bet. But, uh, you know, uh, for me, uh, the culture shock wasn't uh, uh, too bad because uh, my degree is in Asian studies. So like, mm-hmm. I just focused uh, my area of focus was like uh, late 19th century to a modern Japan. So I took a lot of culture classes and things like that. So for me, it wasn't such a huge uh, uh, culture uh, shock. But um, I just remember just uh, loving it there. Absolutely loving it. Um, uh, but uh, after a while, it was just I was just getting itchy feet, and I just wanted to say uh, at the time, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and pursue uh, uh, teaching full time. I'm going to live the expatriate life. I'm going to travel all across the world and and live in various places and and meet various people and just go ahead and just uh, uh, live out the rest of my days. I'll be able to say, ah, yes, I remember in 2003 when we were at that cafe in Paris, <laughs> right? But uh, yeah, so I did that, and then I lived uh, in the Czech Republic for a year. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I taught there. Uh, and unfortunately, by that time, uh, it was just kind of like, uh, like you know how, how it is like you vibe with places where it's like, yeah. you go to some place and it's like, okay, yeah, this feels like home. Or like there's some places where it's just like, like you, f- you already feel like, like a bouncer's heavy hand on your shoulder. And it's yeah. just like, I'm sorry, sir. You have to leave now. Yeah, yeah, you, you're out of here. Get. Yeah. Go and get. You have two choices. You can either leave under your own power or I can throw you out. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the Czech Republic was giving me that, like, uh, I got kind of screwed off a work visa there. Oh. Uh, and they pay you in, in cash instead of, like, a direct deposit in a bank account. Mm-hmm. And I got pickpocketed on payday. Oh. And for me, that was just, like, the wake-up su- – uh, that was the sign that said, okay, out you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I went back to America. Dude, okay, so in that situation, too, like, how do you recover from that? How do you, like – process that and then just kind of like rein yourself back in at the same time because that's a lot especially when you like you constantly have that feeling that this isn't your place like it just it feels off that happens it's like a one-two combo like one after the other how do you recover and then you know just get yourself back to the United States like how do you process and deal with all that as it happens uh, unfortunately, if you're me, the answer is not very well. Um, I can relate. Part of it, yeah. Uh, part of it is um, I, I, when I left uh, when I left uh, Europe and I came back to the States, I felt like I had my tail between my legs and I just felt humiliated. And, uh, and people uh, who knew me from that time and uh, my loved ones will tell you uh, if you ever get the chance to meet them, I was an angry little bastard uh, for a few years there. I may still like, be, so I can relate. <laughs> but yeah no it was just like unfortunately it was just like um i, I was drinking way too much um, right and uh, just kind of aimless again and just being like oh man i hate it here i don't know what i'm doing here again what have i done with my life and uh and of course you know uh i'm also uh, bipolar so i live with uh, bipolar disorder right, so uh right. the drinking and and that didn't really uh help uh very much either very understandable um, yeah so uh, how I kind of recalibrated reca- uh, was uh, I had some help uh, from my family. Um, I decided I was going to stick with ESL. Uh, mm-hmm. So I got another job teaching at a uh, private university in Denver. Oh, okay. Uh, and I did that for a couple of years. Um, and I left that position. I was just doing like uh, odds and ends. And uh, it was actually interesting. So this is how it leads back into acting. 
um, I was not happy as an ESL teacher. Um, and uh, one afternoon, uh, we were throwing a going away party for one of the teachers there. And uh, the teacher pulled me aside and she's like, okay, what are you doing? Uh, what do you mean? You're miserable. I see it. The teachers see it. The students see it. We all see it. You're miserable. Why are you doing this? And it was just like, uh, did not have an answer. So um, shortly after that, I was having a conversation with my mother one day and uh, we were just talking about life and like my frustrations and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, and I love her to death for this. And this is why I'm so grateful for uh, both her and my father. Um, she said, well, look, you've always, you've always been like a character. You always like making people laugh. You like doing this. You've done some, you've done some stand-up comedy. Have you ever just figured, just try taking some acting classes and see if that'll help? And uh, some friends of mine that I had at, that were living in Denver at the time uh, introduced me to one of their friends who, who recommended his uh, acting school. Oh. So I got myself a day job uh, that uh, allowed me to, uh, to uh, do uh, acting classes. Mm -hmm. And I studied there for about uh, four years. And uh, I, I've said it before on social media, but uh, I is no exaggeration for me when I say that discovering acting and finally reconnecting with that it was like, okay, I have my purpose. I know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. That has that literally saved my life. Dude, it's a it's a powerful feeling, and it, it's I can relate to it on a certain level as well because you know, especially yeah. over the last two years, there there's been a huge sense of unfulfillment in my life. Not realizing that, you know, a lot of the situations you make yourself. You know, it can be a square peg, round hole situation, but you make it work because mm -hmm. you think it's what you're supposed to do or it fulfills a certain responsibility that you have. But right, all yeah. the while, you're suppressing these feelings that, you know, like, man, acting is what you're passionate about. Acting is what makes you feel fulfilled. And yeah. when you finally realize that, like, dude, it, it's a freeing, it's a freeing thing. But it can also be an addiction, too, when it's all you think about and it's just like, man, I'm not there yet. I'm, I, I, you, like you get in your own head and you get in your own way, and oh yeah, yeah, it, it makes you like overanalyze, overcompare, and you compare yourself to people you're not even in competition with. And oh yeah, I, I want to tie this right back to the to teaching abroad for a second too. Yeah, you mentioned do, yeah. that you came back and you know like you felt like you had your tail between your legs, you were unhappy, and you know mm -hmm. like you felt like a failure, but. Yeah. Did anybody ever pull you aside or did you ever have that come to Jesus moment with yourself where it's like, you know, it may not have panned out the way, you know, I thought it would or in a more positive light, but I still got to do something that so many other people dream about doing. And man, I got to give myself a pat on the back. Did you ever have that kind of moment? Not until many, many years later. Uh, I was just so wrapped up in my, in my own ego about mm -hmm. it. That uh, people would uh, tell me that and just be like, "Dude, you've done all these amazing yeah. things. How how cool is this?" And I would just be like, "No, nah, man, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. I'm a husband. Fuck you. My my best days are behind me." Yep. Are you downplaying me a, as beer. a joke? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, there was a lot of anger in uh, in that humor. But yeah, it's been like yeah. in recent years where it's like I, I like uh, I'll be able to sit down with myself and I say, "You know what? Would I thinking back on my life from." Uh, from the moment I'm born to the present moment I'm in right now, like, would I do anything different? And uh, my answer is, uh, and I'm very happy about this, my answer is no, because like, for all the good, for all the bad, and there's been a lot of good, and there's also been a lot of bad, mm -hmm. 
it has put me on this path and it's led me to this moment where it's exactly. just like, I got off my ass. I'm living in a land of palm trees right now. I'm doing okay. Yeah. I'm doing okay. And that's that's such a powerful thing. Yeah. And and on top of that too, mentioning, you know, like that that sense of fulfillment and your mom making that suggestion and like kind of opening the floodgates again, as mm. you had kind of like put acting on the back burner and you started doing all these other things, you started, you know, like teaching, you know, ESL and everything, did you have that nagging sense of unfulfillment as like acting got further and further in the in the rearview mirror or was it something you just weren't aware of until like everything just kind of hit the wall all at once what was that like uh, it wasn't uh, i wasn't aware of it until i took my uh, first acting class oh, it was wow. just like it was like suddenly it was just everything clicked and i was just like okay this is this is so cool i i did this yeah so many so many people don't do this and and i did this and I want more. And it was kind of like that line from the, the producers, like, uh, stop the world. I want to get on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And oh man, yeah. that is, it, it's, it's so simple, but it's so powerful. And it's just that that's the thing that I love the most is that like, you just get reconnected to that one thing. And it's like the spark is reignited all over again. I love it. Yeah. And what was what was that like for you in that situation of being in that class? You know, like for your first time, were you, were you hesitant? Were you nervous? Was like the, the bitter guy on your shoulder still whispering in your ear about it? Like, what was all that like? Oh man. Uh, I, I was so full of adrenaline. I, I didn't even know what, uh, what was going on for me. It was just like, I was sitting in class. Uh, the teacher started the class. Next thing I know I'm in front of a camera. I'm oh. giving a couple of different reads. And then I'm next thing I know, I'm just like uh, back in my car driving home uh, from downtown Denver. And I'm just like literally gripping the wheels as I'm driving. And I'm just like primal screaming from joy for doing this. Like that, oh, that was man. just like so cathartic. Like the people driving past me on the highway must have just been like, should we call the police? Because like there's this screaming madman in his car. And it's just kind of like, no, I'm happy, damn it. But, I'm not uh, blowing the horn. I'm just yelling at you, but I'm really <laughs> happy. But move. I, I'm full of life and I want to share it with you. <laughs> Come over here. Share in my passion, damn it. We are one with the universe. Um, but uh... <laughs> That is so amazing. Like, that gave me yeah. goosebumps hearing that because I know that feeling to a T. Like, man, it is just, it is a special thing that, you know, again, unfortunately, a lot of people don't get to experience that because they don't get to pursue that passion or they may not even know what that passion is. And they just keep yeah. trudging through life, you know, like, yeah, none the wiser. I agree. And it's like it, it also ties back into something you were saying uh, just a moment ago about, um, uh, gosh, what we were what we were just talking about. Feel free to edit this while I uh, pontificate. <laughs> um, but, uh, we, yeah, we were talking about like how some people uh with the societal ex expectations and why people don't do these things and why we mm -hmm. kind of lose that bravery. I think part of it is just like, you know, the realities of life. Like as you get older, you realize, oh wait, I'm not made out of rubber. I, I do have responsibilities. Yeah. And you, and you develop more and uh, you realize, okay, yeah, you know, I've fallen seriously in love. I've fallen out of love. I've lost uh, family members. I've lost friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, uh, I've dealt with life and death uh, all around me. And as you do that, of course, like you have societal, uh, uh, obligations that are yeah. put on you as well. And like, you know, 
it, when you have the reality of like, okay, I really want to do this, but hey, I have to pay my rent. Maybe I shouldn't be going out like until like being out for like 36 hours straight, like uh, partying it up and boozing it up and not right. and wondering why I don't have money. Um, so uh, there's that, but at the same time too, and I think this is why so many people also like get into uh, acting uh, later in life, uh, because when you have those experiences that really, when you actually have a life, that's what really make, helps make your performances uh, more genuine and more believable. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, I, yeah. That, that's yeah, 100% something that's come up, um, not only with conversations I've had on this podcast, but ones that, you know, magical engineer Jeff and I have had with, uh, with scare actors on Tales from the Haunt, like the life yeah. experiences that you have and the authenticity that you bring to something is completely different than something that I would bring or Marcus would bring or Jeff would bring. Like, but you have these experiences that you bring to the table and they make what you do unique. So, I mean, like just dude, use you, use your story and have fun with it. Cope exactly. with it how you will. And th that also brings me to something about like, you know, the societal things that we have to do, but you know, also with, societal norms that are I think are slowly being phased out especially when it comes to things like guys and mental health you you mm -hmm. had mentioned you know that you had dealt with bipolar uh issues um mm -hmm. and as I'm man I've slowly I don't know what happened but it took me forever to finally start talking to a therapist and dealing with my right. issues with depression and anxiety as well mm -hmm. as you as you got into the acting thing again and you started experiencing these emotions, did you notice on the opposite side that the issues with bipolar, or I'm not even sure I'm phrasing that correctly, but the issues with the bipolar disease, like did those start rearing their ugly head to kind of like second guess everything that you'd been doing where it's like you had this really high moment, but then on the turn of a dime, it's a negative moment. Did any of that come through? Oh yeah, uh, even before acting. Unfortunately, that's something that still happens uh, throughout my daily life. And like part of the reason why like my childhood was so difficult was just because having having this uh, having this disorder, where like you're just so hyper. Where yeah. people, where, like I've had people who knew me from like my college days, where like we had to get a script a spatula to scrape you off of the ceiling some days. Wow. To yeah, and I'm I'm low level and like. Uh, my mood swings can really, really fuck with me if I'm not careful. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, like uh, that's something I've, I've dealt with uh, constantly. And I do use uh, like a lot of humor to help me uh, mitigate it just yeah. because uh, if you know, if you're not laughing, you're crying and screaming. And exactly. I, and I don't want to do that. Exactly. But uh, I will say this um, acting has helped me um, with processing more of my emotions. Yeah. Uh, acting sure. should never be therapy. No, it can be therapeutic, but it should never be therapy. Absolutely. And one, of, and one of the great, one of the beautiful gifts about it is that I can play characters where it's like, okay, this just came out of me. Okay, this is from this part of my life. Okay, I can bring this with me to therapy. I talked to my therapist about that. We dissect it, and it helps with uh, the healing process. Mm -hmm. And it's when you get when you get a scene like that too, or you get a read like that, whether like, and again, like you know. Auditioning is the job more than anything else. Spoiler alert to anybody oh, yeah. who's new or hasn't figured that out yet. Auditioning yep. is the job. The job mm -hmm. itself is the fun part. But when yeah. you get those reads and you get a chance to bring those emotions to the table and you get that therapeutic release, I mean, it, it is, 
like you said, cathartic is the best way to say it. But then exactly. when you have somebody to talk about it with and dissect it after the fact, man, I, I can't even imagine what that's like. But it gives you such a better understanding of what you may be dealing with or not even knowing that you were dealing with. And it mm -hmm. just it helps you become a better version of you as opposed to keeping it so pent up inside, I guess, is what I'm getting at. But Exactly. And uh, actually, I want to take this opportunity as well, because uh, this is a big shout out to them. And, and this particular group has really helped me out with that a lot. Um, after uh, after a few years of uh, working, uh, studying at this uh, film school in mm -hmm. Denver, they shut they shut their doors. So I was like, OK, well, you know what? In my 20s, I really didn't get the education I, I should have gotten from uh, from my college days. And that's not uh, and that's not anything against the university at all. That's just right, uh, right, right. That was just me being like a like a, a 20 year old fuck up. Uh, so I just thought I was going to give myself the education that I should have gotten, given myself the first time around. So I enrolled at uh, the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. So like there, I started learning more about, okay, this is how you more fully create a character. This is uh, how you dissect scenes. This is how you uh, use a sword in a fight. This is how you do flying trapeze. Mm -hmm. And uh, during all these classes, uh, I made, uh, one of my best friends, uh, Dave, uh, David Wright, uh, who lives in Denver, uh, approached me one day because I was talking to people and just being like, hey, you know, I, 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 I like I want to do uh, some other things out here. And I want to do like gigs where it's like, OK, I can get paid to do this and hopefully maybe eventually get rid of my day job. And uh, he said, uh, do you have a do you mind if I ask you, uh, do you have a disability? I said, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I live with bipolar disorder. And he immediately said, I am so happy you have a disorder. And I was just like. Thanks. <laughs> Not something you think you would hear. Yeah. And uh, the reason he said that is that he introduced me to uh, a theater company that's uh, still th thriving in Denver uh, called Family. Uh, for, the, uh, for any of the listeners who want to look it up, it's uh, P-H-A-M-A-L-Y. Uh, they're a professional theater company uh, that is uh, casted and crewed and acted uh, by people of, uh, with all sorts of different uh, disabilities, whether they're physical oh, or wow. emotional or, or uh, psychological. So being in that environment and being around people where it's like, okay, yeah, you've got this, you've got that. Okay. Congratulations. You're not a freak. There's no shame here. Absolutely. We're all professionals. Absolutely. We're all here to support each other. That was such a huge, huge boon for me. And that's really helped oh, me out. I, I bet. A bit. And we'll have a link to their information in the show notes as well. So if anybody wants to check that out or anybody's local, we're going to make it easy for you so that you'll have information to get in touch with them as well. Dude, I didn't even know something like that existed. Dude, that is awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they've been around for like over 30 years. And like I say, like uh, wow. I've done some fantastic plays with them. Uh, not too many. Like I've, I've only done two because like uh, I only discovered them a few years ago. And uh -huh. then uh, I was working with a fellow out here in Los Angeles uh, who I've since uh, cut ties with um, ha who uh, wrote a play. And he said, OK, I wrote this play. You're great. You're my lead if you want it. And for me, that was just like, okay, that's another sign. I've been yeah. wanting to move out to California for a long time here. Denver is great. Colorado is great. It's just, again, it's just wasn't, uh, I wasn't vibing with the place. So it's like right. nothing, nothing, nothing bad at all about that. It's a beautiful city, beautiful uh, town. And I've got a lot of uh, uh, good friends who still live there. Uh, so I used that as my excuse to uh, move, move across and uh, got myself in uh, California. Dude, I love it. And I mean, I love the, I just love the betting on yourself to do that as well because, I mean, that is a huge jump. Even if it's just, you know, two states over even, you're uprooting everything to move to a new place and you're still following that passion, man. That's something that 
you know, I, I understand there are people that have like certain situations where they can't just up and do that. But the fact that you're doing that to pursue your passion, man, just hats off. That is that is amazing. Thank you. Thank you of very course, much. Of course. Of yeah. course. So as as you're doing all that, as you're getting, you know, like back into acting, you mentioned that you did stand up comedy uh for a bit at one point too. That's something that's mm. on my bucket list to do. Talk to me about that mm. and how you got involved there. So uh, this was uh part of me uh getting in getting back into acting. Oh, okay. Uh, just because I was looking for like, okay, I want to perform. I want to do something. I've had yeah. people constantly telling me, Oh, you're so funny, dude, you should do this. Uh, so, uh, uh, I did it twice. I did it, uh, both times we were at the comedy works in, uh, Denver because they had an open mic night and they had a new comics, uh, contest. Oh. So, uh, I went, I put myself on a wait list for weeks, uh, got in on, uh, open mic night and, uh, oh boy, was that a rough one just because, um, uh, it was, uh, election night of, uh, 2008. Oh, and, um, Let's just put it this way. Uh, there were a lot of people in the crowd that were of a certain uh, uh, political affiliation. Yep. And, and I... our MC was literally like, okay, so just so you know, Obama's ahead by uh, 23 four votes. Uh, here's Mark Davis. I'm like, what? Uh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> and I just to put it in perspective, too, I remember where yeah. I was that night, and I just remember how crazy campus was. With yeah. people of either political affiliation just going insane on campus. I remember pumpkins yep. were smashed. Just you name it, it, it oh, went geez. on. It was insane. So I mean, like I, I can't even imagine going on stage in a situation like that, and the MC just drops that, and you know the entire room—not your fault at all—but it's just like, yeah. like knives out or or, or whatever yeah. it is, man. I can't imagine going up but, in that scenario. But here's the thing. I didn't care. I was just like, okay, you know what? Ah. I'm here. I got my two minutes. I got my little bit. I'm not going to throw this away. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Like to quote uh, the great late Bernie Mac, I'm not afraid of you motherfuckers. <laughs> I love it. Oh, you sure you don't have, you sure you never wrestled before? Uh, pretty sure. I mean, I don't know, like, you could, like uh, so just so uh, the audience has an idea of what I look like, I'm uh, like 5'11", and like uh, I've got like very little muscle mass on me these he days. He says that as the peak of his bicep comes over his pop filter, and that's not the re- <laughs> you can't even see the rest of his arm because it is that massive. That's how big his arm is. So I could believe it if he said he wrestled, but I mean, dude, like even that, like right there, man, two minutes, and, and you're yeah. fresh up there. Does that two minutes go by in the blink of an eye for you, or does it feel like an eternity? Oh, my God, way too quick. It's like one of those blink and you miss it moments. Oh, dude, that's awesome. I got off that stage when I was electrified because I was like, okay, people left. Okay, I got the validation of strangers. This is fantastic. Okay, my life has meaning again. (laughs) And then uh, a few months later, I did a uh, 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 new contest uh, Mm -hmm. for new comics. Uh, Full packed house. Everyone's great mood. I, I got my tight five. I go up there. I do it. I get laughs. I do a little bit of audience banter. It's fantastic. And I walk off and I haven't been back on since. And it's just because I can't write jokes to save my life. I gotcha. I gotcha. And I dude, yeah. I can't even imagine what that process is like. I've got, you know, a few friends that are comedians. One of them has actually been a previous guest of the show here. So if you want to hear more about stand up comedy, go check out Lance Adams episode. But you know, it's like I, I've gone back and forth with it. I've written some material about, you know, like daddy issues that I have and different things like that. But oh yeah, I have no idea how that's going to translate on stage. I've never done it. I want to, but 
Yeah. Man, I just I love for you that it went by so quickly, whereas you hear other people and it's like that two minutes felt like an eternity. I you know it's just mm-hmm. like goosebumps and crickets and you can hear your heartbeat. So I, mm-hmm. I love that it was the opposite for you and you got that validation too, man. That's awesome. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, because I've uh, I've also done a lot of improv as well, and like oh, I know man. exactly how you feel. Where it's just like you do like a, a twenty minute set with a team, and it could go either really really well, and it's like blink and you miss it, or it could just be a dud, and it's just like okay, I've tried everything. How much more time do we have? We, we're pretty close to our set, right? Yep. Seventeen minutes left. Shit. Oh, okay. uh, dude, it, yeah. and I I know it all too well, and like, uh, not unfortunately, but like I. I guess, in a sense, unfortunately, but I love the improv troupe that I perform with via Zoom. I've only yeah. actually gotten to do it in person once, and this was with a complete group of strangers uh, right after my birthday last year. But, man, that was an experience. But even oh, yeah. with this group where I've built this chemistry and we've never actually met in person, we've had scenes like that where it's gone 20 minutes. We didn't even think that it was the end of the scene, and you just – you say one thing and it's just like the perfect ending right there, unintentional. Yeah. Everything wraps up. Like it's just it's so magical. And mm-hmm. cheap little plug too. If you've never taken an improv class and you're a high stress or high anxiety person in real life, like I was and still kind of am, dude, mm-hmm. go take one because they actually offer improv classes for the everyday world, you know, like for corporates, like you can take your corporate team and do an improv lunch and they teach you little tips and tricks. Dude, it will change your life. So go take an improv class. I'm telling you that. And if I don't get to you first and body slam you, Marcus and his 24-inch pythons will beat me to it and slam you first. So go oh, take some improv. Oh, good evening, brother. We're just the Terror Twins, and tonight we need a scenario. Ooh, yeah. He's going to slam you, and then I'm going to hit you with the elbow. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I have gotta no idea where tell that you, Larry, <laughs> he's gonna feel that one till next Tuesday. Well, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this is the ring announcer, and he is out. He's not getting up from that elbow drop from the top rope. <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. Another plug for improv, right there. That's that's what you get. <laughs> but in all improv. seriousness, it's what's for breakfast. <laughs> We didn't plan any of this. This is perfect. And Jeff, we need that as a one-liner on our shirt. We got to give Marcus credit for that one. But uh, just remember, it's two N's, two L's in the last name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got you covered. I'm an English major, so I will make sure that that is spelled correctly. That's but lovely. Um, okay. going no, back, not lovely that you're going to get my name spelled correctly. Lovely that you're an English major. Oh well, I say both. Yeah. I I got to give credit to you as well. But going going back to the validation thing here, yeah, especially. Yeah, yeah. How do you get involved with Steve Bloom and the Bloomvox community? Because, I mean, that is a complete network of positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. and everybody is pulling for everybody. And, you know, for me, especially coming from the world of wrestling for so long, where, mm-hmm. and, you know, like Joe, who we mentioned earlier, will tell you too, there's a lot of, you know, backstabbing, infighting, undercutting, you name it, where there's supposed oh, to be yeah. a family mentality. When you oh, yeah. actually get to a new genre of entertainment and you hear people preach the family mentality and they live it too, like it's a, it's an eye-opening thing. So how did mm-hmm. you get connected and all that? And you know, just bring me up to speed on what yeah, that sure. means to you to be in that community because, like, again, I think you're one of the OGs there too. 
Uh, I don't think I'm necessarily an OG, uh, ah. but uh, I, I've been doing it for like a, like the last uh, two years coming uh, come this uh, September. I think, I think about the same time years. I signed. So we signed up about the yeah. same time then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're old. <laughs> but time we're has so no meaning. Old. So we don't even I don't even know how old I am right now. Time has no meaning. Huh? What's up? What's a pop filter? I what? couldn't tell you because I'm old. Did you say when rhyme? Would... Huh? No, I, I said that I was dead five years ago, and yet people haven't signed off on their certificate yet. Five, five hairs ago? What? Hair? You still have hair? I want taquitos. Burritos? It's just going to be like this for the rest of the, of the, of the interview. I apologize to everyone in advance. <laughs> we, we had to bring our grandpas out for a little bit, but now they're, they're back. You know, sorry. No, no, Grandpa, Grandpa, no, no, put, oh. put that down. take that out of your mouth, Grandpa. Jeff, Jeff no. can you grab his no. dentures? They fell out. Oh, uh, jeez. Come on, Grandpa Terry. Come on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's see. Uh, but yeah, so uh, part of me just being an actor and all that, like mm -hmm. I just wanted to explore like all these different uh, genres. Of course. And uh, I was doing voiceover a little bit off and on uh, through one of my agents, uh, in, through my agent in Denver. Mm -hmm. And uh, I uh, went to a mixer a few years ago and I introduced myself to this uh, guy, uh, a coach named Everett Oliver. Oh, uh, who's yes, also based yes. Here. Yeah, okay. Oh, you know what? That's perfect. Oh, yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, because he's uh, he was actually one of the guys who got me in touch with an accent reduction coach. And it was funny because she said, I don't hear the accent the way Everett does. So I'm not sure what I can do with you. So oh, yeah. go figure, yeah. go fig. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, he uh, he uh, trained me uh, trained me for a bit, and I still take uh, classes with him uh, when I can. And uh, he's become a mentor and uh, and a friend of mine. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, when I was moving out here, I wanted to keep all of my options open. It's like, okay, yeah, I do want to be on TV. I do want to be in films. I do want to be on stage. I want to be doing all of this stuff. And then uh, one day, I'm like uh, on my computer and uh, like answering emails and things like that. I've got a Facebook tab open, and all of a sudden, like, I hear out of nowhere, Hi, this is Steve Bloom. Have you ever wanted to learn the art of voiceover? And I was just like, I like Cowboy Bebop. Tell me more. <laughs> Stop living my story, because that's the same <laughs> thing that I, I'd mentioned with Eric. I'd mentioned with Heath. You know, it's like, uh, you just get that random Facebook tab. It's like, huh, my neighbor yeah. up the street does commercial VO <laughs> two hours later. Here's a Steve Bloom ad on Facebook. I'm not yeah. listening to you, but yes, tell me more. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if anyone here will, will say that, uh, hear this, but uh, uh, please forgive me, Steve. I, I like being able to ask questions. And yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I, I, I signed up for the uh, webinar. And uh, at the time, uh, Rob Paulson was going to be uh, the guest around the time mm, that I was signing yes, up. Yes, yes. Um, and I had just missed him on the class, but I uh, ran into him. Uh, he was doing a reading for his uh, fantastic book uh, uh, that he uh, wrote. That's oh, such a good book. Such a Which, good book. I'll put the link in the show notes for that as well. Because um, yep. And Jeff, I'll probably let you borrow that if you want. Because that's uh, man, Rob Paulson has pretty much been the voice of almost everybody's childhood in one way, shape, or form. His story, especially in, like, overcoming cancer, like, oh, yeah. that guy is an inspiration in more ways than one and such a gem of a human being. So, oh yeah, check that I've book had the, out. I've had the pleasure to talk to him uh, at that book reading. I've had the pleasure to talk to him at a couple of uh, shows here in, uh, in, uh, in town. Mm, nice. And the man is a class act. Yes, sir. Like, one of the loveliest, most genuine human beings on the planet. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so like, I started, uh, doing the classes and, uh, just, uh, 
learning more and more about uh, voiceover from him in addition to Everett and just kind of realizing that, wow, I really like this a lot. I, I, this is something, this could be really fun. Like I, I'd always known that it was a job because like I was, when I was a little kid, I'd just be like, uh, uh, the Simpsons uh, really helped open the door for that as well. Uh, but uh, as a little kid, I'd just be like watching Bugs Bunny cartoons and just mm-hmm. be like, ah, oh, voice characterization, smell blank. Okay, so now they know Buffy, uh, Buffy, hi, uh, Bugs, Daffy. Buffy Porky. the Bunny Slayer? Buffy the Bunny Slayer. <laughs> chosen one uh but uh <laughs> but uh knowing <laughs> did i think bob bergen just might have ran in on this show i don't know i don't know at this point <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah yeah so like no so uh learning about that learning uh that okay there's there's a person who like does all these voices and then with the simpsons when it was taking off because i was uh i was 10 when it first uh really started hitting Mm-hmm. And just being looking at the credits and just being like, oh, Dan Casanova, Julie Kavner, who Ancus area, who are these people? And then just getting older and still watching cartoons, and I'm still in animation up to this day. It's like one of my favorite oh, things yeah. to talk about. Uh, like being able to, like uh, now being able, uh, as a teenager, just being able to be like, uh, that's Jess Arnell. Yep. Okay, that's Maurice LaMarche. Okay, I think that's Rob. Oh, yeah, that's definitely Rob. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was already starting to pick that out. So like I, I, I already knew that it was something that people could make a living doing at. Yeah, and then uh, the pandemic hit, and everything went to hell, as it did for just about everyone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was taking classes, and uh, uh, finally got uh, to be in, uh, uh, ask a couple of questions to Steve and a couple of the guests. And uh, one of the questions I asked him, if I remember correctly, it was something about the, along the lines of like, uh, "Is it possible to do voiceover and this and this?" And uh, his and his advice, and I think it's very true because because that's how the entertainment industry works. Is that the the industry sorts you into where you need to be? Yep. And he asked me like, uh, so what is it that you really, really want to focus on? Do you want to focus on uh, on camera stuff? Do you want to focus on stage? Do you want to focus on voiceover? And without even thinking about it, it was just like, this, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to, I want to be a voice actor. Man. And uh, yeah, so like, uh, and you are not kidding about it being like uh, a. Uh, an echo chamber of positivity yeah. and, and positive reinforcement. So uh, that's one of the things I really do appreciate about because voiceover, uh, I, I just want bursting people's uh, bubbles out there. Voiceover is hard. Very, is very, very hard. competitive. It takes years to get good at it. It's mm-hmm. something that you never stop learning to do, but it is also the most humane because this is an industry where every person I've talked to, whether they're just someone that's coming up or they're like a pro like Steve or Bob, Everyone wants everyone else to succeed. Yes. And that is so refreshing. Dude, the, I, let me tell you, like, as I'm taking my jacket off here, it's getting a little toasty in studio. Whoa, um, whoa, 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 whoa. Put, put back <laughs> the 36-inch pythons, man. Come oh, on, man. Oh, it's a size competition now. But, uh, uh, but oh, it's a good uh, thing they can't see this, can they? <laughs> right, right. As I, as I <laughs> squeeze them onto the Zoom screen here. <clears throat> no, it, 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 that's exactly right. Everybody wants everybody to succeed, and it's something that, you know, like, again, I wasn't used to from the wrestling world because you always hear there, are, there's such a limited number of spots that people yeah. get territorial. They get defensive. They don't want to lose their, their spot at the table. But if right. voiceover, there really is a spot for everybody. And it's like Richard Horvitz said uh, in, a, in a brief conversation I had with him. You know, he mm-hmm. goes, there's no wrong. There's just different. And Exactly. That doesn't mean, like, you may audition for a part and you may have a great killer kick-ass read but it just it's not what they go with that doesn't mean it was bad 
That just means it was different from what they wanted. Right. But, you know, and again, like just having a community like the Bloom Fox community and having all of you in there to just say, you know, like, dude, keep doing what you're doing. It, in this very hard, very competitive world, it helps to have a network like that behind you because it's also people going through the exact same things. And it makes exactly. it easier to not be so critical on yourself as we're all prone to do. So, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's a huge, huge, like, man, if anybody wants to get started in voiceover, like Jeff is now doing the Bloom Fox community is the place to start. 100%. We'll say that till the day I die. Welcome to the family, Jeff. As he gives the thumbs up, which this is an audio <laughs> podcast. You people can imagine Jeff giving the thumbs up. So, you know, <laughs> But no, seriously, I mean, it's like, it's just so awesome to see that. And then these celebrities, these people that we grew up listening to voice the characters of our childhood, they're so generous and giving on top of that, man. It's just, it is a 100% humbling, awe-inspiring experience getting to do these classes. And I know it's been a while since I've been in one because, you know, schedules, auditions and everything don't permit me to sure. be in everyone like I'd like. But, oh, sure, yeah. you know, just when you get to actually talk to these people and they're so generous and giving, like mm -hmm. uh, LeVar Burton, Phil Lamar, uh, oh, yeah. Charlie Adler, you name it. I mean, like, these people are so willing to give their knowledge and experiences and they make it known too. Hey, we want to work with you. We want to hopefully see you, like, on the cast list with us. Like, that's... You don't get that everywhere else. Yeah. Like uh, like Steve and other people have said as well, where it's like the people the people who are not good people, like uh, like people who are just like real jerks, like the type who are like, mm -hmm. I have success, I'm going to pull up the ladder up behind me. They're the ones that don't last very long. Right. So it's just, so it's, so when people do say that, it's, it's uh, coming from the heart on that. So that they Absolutely. are, they're being genuine with that. 100%. And, you know, just on top of that, too, speaking about the genuine aspect and just good people all around, too, previous yeah. guests of the show, you know, like Heath Martin and Eric Horowitz. Oh, uh, that jerk. <laughs> uh, only on days that end in Y. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> you've gotten you've gotten connected with him and mm -hmm. you were actually a part of uh, as we're recording this now. It's only a couple weeks ago. You got to do mm -hmm. a panel, you know, at a fan expo convention for the Pochki audio chronicles. How did you get involved in all that? And then what was it like getting that experience, you know, a flying cross country and being involved with that? What was that like? Well, uh, I met Eric through uh, another uh, Bloom Fox student and uh, member of the cast, uh, Tom Cat. Mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah. Just got connected actually. Yeah. And uh, he cast me, he was doing, uh, uh, sorry, they were doing a, uh, uh, production of, uh, mod, uh, since, uh, uh, they live in New York. They uh, they uh, do drag, and they're funny as all hell. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he uh, so they reached out to me. I'm sorry. I, I keep uh, I apologize. I, do you mind if I take that from the top? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, great. Yeah, because I feel bad because it's like uh, they use both they use both pronouns and just keep getting them mixed up. And I yeah, feel no, you're you're good. That. You're good. Okay. Uh, see. Okay, we're back. Uh, so. Uh, uh, I actually got involved with Pachki through uh, uh, Tom Cat, another student uh, and member of the cast uh, mm -hmm. in Bloomfox. Uh, they were doing uh, a production of uh, Maud. They wanted to do a couple of uh, staged readings. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, this is always a good sign for me, uh, like when I know I'm with good company. Yeah. Uh, that I don't remember how we met. I just know that 
they're in my life and I love them to death and they're and they they're a great friend. Best um, feeling in the world. Yeah. And uh, so uh, they they uh, cast me for a couple of the readings, and then they also cast Eric as well. And uh, Eric and I would just be goofing off constantly, and we would just be pissing off Tom, and that just kind of uh, made us bond. And then, like, uh, out of the blue one day, uh, Eric and his uh, producing partner, Rob, uh, uh, messaged me, and they had a conversation with me, and they said, yeah, so uh, this is our podcast. This is the show. Uh, this is the character that we'd like you to to play, and uh, we were just discussing like the like the basic concept of the of the uh, podcast, uh, discussing the basic concepts of the character, which was very collaborative, which I absolutely love doing. Uh, so like uh, they cast me to be Adam Faraday of Faraday's histories and mysteries, and uh, they were just saying, yeah, we we want this idiot reporter. I was like, okay, all right. And then for whatever reason, I was just watching clips of uh, uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world with uh, Terry Thomas, uh, the great uh, British comedian, uh, he's who has the very stereotypical, I say, what will become of the empire type of uh, British accent. Yes. And I was Love just it. like, okay, so you want, so you also want him to be a mix of David Attenborough. Okay, so this is what I came up with and they sent me the, the line readings and they said, okay, that was good. I just do, redo this, 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 as uh, they do. I uh, did that, sent it off. And uh, Eric and I just started talking on a regular basis and uh, he's become one of my best friends. I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, had y'all actually yeah. met in person prior to uh, to the the fan expo convention? No, no, that was that was a little bit nerve wracking uh, oh, because because uh, when they were organizing this, I was I was just like, you know what, money might be a little tight right now, but it's the opportunity to be on a on a panel at a con. Mm -hmm. It might be a small panel, it might be like three attendees, it might be three hundred. I might never have this experience again. Yeah. Hell yeah, I'm going to do this. So once again, it's just like, you know, just like being like, you know what? I'm not going to let life pass me by. If I see an excellent opportunity like this, I'm going to go for it. Because life is way too short uh, to actually to live in fear of things like that. And it, I, I love that. And it seems like, too, I, I love seeing my friends succeed in having these experiences because it, as we're recording this, next week is my first, you know, like my first time to attend a con as... um. You know, doing a live podcast there and, you know, like actually having something similar to what you guys did. And it's just like, I guess 2022 is the year of the con because everybody's getting that chance now. And then Jeff actually got us booked at another one over the summer up in uh, Kentucky. So it's just like, nice. I, I love seeing everybody get to have these experiences. And it's like, you know, they say it when it's bad, when it rains, it pours. But even when it's good, seeing you guys do it has got me so excited to have that experience for myself now. And it's just like, uh, I can't wait to to see if I have something similar to what you guys have, because you could just tell and like hearing how excited Eric was about it, hearing just how genuine, like of a special moment it was for you seeing the pictures. And then on top of that, having Steve there for it too. Like, Oh yeah, dude, that yeah. is, that is like fairy tale right there. That, that just, doesn't seem like it's something that's supposed to happen, but it's so awesome that it did. Yeah, and you know, I I, I already got the vibe, man. You are going to kill it when it comes when it's your turn, man. Thank you. Thank you. You are gonna you are gonna have such a blast. Thank you. Yeah. I'm 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 truly humbled by that, and ah uh, man, it just I'm gonna get a little choked up here. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna try and pull it back in, but no, oh, no, no, seriously, it's okay. Thank it's okay, you. man. Man, it's okay. Yeah, my pleasure. My dude, are you oh, kidding? Like dude, this, and this again. This is what I love about this community is just. Again, you know, like for over 
10 years you don't get that in the wrestling like they say you can count on one hand the amount of friends you walk out with that you can truly count on but in voiceover I've got a worldwide connection that is now family and I've maybe only met one or two in person so far but I I just know that when we do get to meet like you and Eric just got to like it's gonna click because these people like these emotions and these connections it's a family dynamic, to put it bluntly. It's a family dynamic, and yeah. it's something special. Absolutely. Even with, but even with the family dynamic, that was like probably the most nerve-wracking thing for me yeah. uh, just going into it, just being like, okay, oh, God, what if I don't like these people? What if they don't like me? <laughs> and then it was just like instead of like uh, having all those nerves about meeting people for the first time because we uh, talk all the time like uh, on, on Messenger and mm-hmm. Zoom and things like that, it was just like uh, it was just like uh, just getting caught up with getting caught up with a friend of yours on the weekend that you hadn't seen in the, like in a week or two. Exactly, like you hadn't seen him in a couple years, but you pick right back up, like you never never missed a beat. Yep, exactly, dude. It's such a powerful, powerful thing, man. And dude, real talk, we could probably go on all night about this. And hey, I'm down. I'm I, down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if my sleep schedule would allow me to do that or not. I might be a zombie by the time it's all uh, said and done. Honestly, My son, that's why we have caffeine pills. Those those work for like 30 minutes in the morning, and then I'm dragging the rest of the day. Yeah, fair enough. Fair oh, enough. dude, but <laughs> in all honesty, man, I'm going to go ahead and say right now, the door is open anytime you want to come back on, and I'm even willing to throw it around, too. If you want to host the show and interview me somewhere down the road, that door is wide open, too. So we'll make I'm it happen. Up on, I'm taking you up on both of those things. My yes, I'm taking, all right. I'm taking you up. We'll get connected on that. We'll make that happen too, because that's a uh, man. This is already some season three stuff right here. That's gonna be season four, <laughs> which, good God, that blows my mind. How are we that far into all this? How have you people listened to me talk for almost two years now? Don't question it. Don't question it. Just, just show the stuff. Show the stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just shill, shill, shill. And also, don't call the cops like it's wrestling, please. Don't, don't call the cops. <laughs> just, just buy the, buy the sweatshirt. Buy the, buy the damn sweatshirt. Damn it. Buy the merch, support, support, support. Help the local Humane Society. Do good. Check out Spooky Things with me and Jeff. You know the drill. But <laughs> no, <laughs> in all seriousness, I wonder how fast I could say that all without getting tongue-tied. But, um, man, let's uh, let's flip the script a little bit now because I'm excited about this part of the show. Uh, yeah. A little thing that Jeff and I like to call it, uh, we call it in the ring. So mm-hmm. I, I talked to you off air. Um, my only rule for this show was that at the end of everything, you come up with five questions to throw my way. Only okay. rule is I can't know what they are ahead of time. So I'm going into this blind. So All right. I'm turning the reins over to you for a little sneak peek of when you do come back to interview me. So let's, uh, let's make this work. Let's get I started. I wasn't expecting this to be an audition, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> You've crushed it so far. So, I'm just telling you. Ah, uh, thank you. If I had blood, I'd be blushing. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, you're so you're a parent. Uh, uh, as far as I know, I don't have any kids, but uh, you're you're a parent. Yes, sir. Uh, for you, uh, some of these might be pretty. Uh, feel free if uh, you don't want to answer them. That's totally fine. No, fair game. Uh, for you, uh, what has been the biggest uh, joy and biggest heartbreak of being a parent? Man, the biggest joy has just. It's literally just been seeing my kids and I'm trying to run through a Rolodex of different emotions and memories to make sure I don't miss something. But the biggest joy has just been seeing them interact with my godparents 
mm-hmm. more than anything else because when I grew up, like, full disclosure, I live right across the street from my godparents. I, I mm-hmm. live in the house that I grew up in, and letting my kids have those same memories of growing up in the house that I grew up in, and then on top of that, getting to go spend time with my godparents who helped raise me, much to the chagrin of my dad who did not want to be in the picture, did it begrudgingly. He did not want us Mm. spending any time with them, but just seeing them get to have those, those memories make those, you know, make those moments with them and still keep them young at the same time. Like that, that is it to a T and, you know, people will say, don't you think, you know, like they're getting a little too old to keep a six year old, a two year old as we're recording right now. And I'm like, if they're asking me to keep them and they're having fun taking them to the park or taking them to ride on the train or taking them to school in the morning, like just making these memories with them, who am I to say no? You know, now it sucks if one of them's in trouble or hasn't done their homework, my six-year-old, and he's got to mm-hmm. come home and do that first. You know, that that sucks being the, the authoritative parent there, but, you know, just right. I, I love seeing them get to make these memories and get to do things that I did growing up. It, it, it's... Words don't do it justice, but the the worst thing, you know, like the biggest heartbreak is just, uh, it, it's, you know, like earlier this year when we lost our, our two dogs so close together, you know, it's like telling them that, but they don't understand it. But then like my two-year-old, for example, will constantly say, you know, like, I miss Elliot or I miss Mo or, or whatever it is. And they, they still don't grasp it just yet. You know, it's just that that's the hard thing is just like, you know, do I tell you, like, do I try to explain it? I, you know, it's just it, it, that's that's the hard part right now. And I that's just the first things that come to mind. It's it's a daily struggle with being a parent because I struggle with trying to not be my dad. That's always like the biggest fear in the back of my mind. So I, I have a hard time even, you know, like just if I have to raise my voice to get their attention and. You know, just I, I struggle with that, but you know, just seeing them not understand certain things that have impacted our family over the last year is one thing, and then also too getting to see them make the memories with my godparents—that's that's the positive for sure. Before I go on to like a three-series novel about all that, yeah, no, that's that's totally cool. And you have to forgive me uh, for whatever reason, a technical glitch. Apparently, I'm now off, off of my studio mic and on my computer mic. So, oh, you're good. You're still coming through loud and clear. Okay, excellent, excellent. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's that's so it's refreshing to hear uh, because you know, like, I I don't know if it's just like a a generational thing or if it's just like a, a masculine thing, but I know a lot of people have issues, like a lot of guys have issues with their dads. Yep. And I'm just and yeah, like I I totally understand that because I've had uh, conversations with some of my friends uh, who are dads or just like, please don't let me t- turn out like him. Yeah, and uh, I guess I can actually. Man, I'm willing to be a little vulnerable here right now, and it may be something that also comes up, you know, when uh, when you come back on. But you know, like, had had my grandmother, who is now passed, not made my mom, you know, like confront my dad back in high school and say, "Hey, I'm pregnant," I would have never known that man existed. I would have never known, or I would have never had my sister. You know, she was planned, I wasn't, and my dad kind of held that against me growing up and then even like to the day that my first uh my first son was born I remember texting him like kind of like a last chance to mend fences type of thing I was just like hey 
I just wanted to let you know if uh, if you want to be here, your your first grandson is about to be born. Here's the room number. Here's the hospital. And I, I just remember that message being like just sitting at red. And, you know, and it's like I, I never want my kids to have that that feeling from me. You know, it's like I know sometimes I have to be the bad guy, but I struggle yep. even doing that, even if it's for their own good, because I still have that memory in the back of my mind of him just being this over authoritative dictator. And it 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 drives me insane. You know, because I don't want to be him, but I also don't want to let my kids have no structure either. So it's like right. walking a tightrope of rusty knives. It, it sucks, but thus is parenting. Oh yeah, oh, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, it's so another question because like because uh, like talking about things that like crazy things, people were like, "Wow, you did that. That's amazing." Mm -hmm. I gotta ask about wrestling. How how did how did this how did this happen? Whew. Oh man. Okay. So. I don't have the, the stereotypical story that everybody does, you know, like where they say, like, they just remember turning it on and they got hooked on it. You know, like they saw these larger than life characters. I remember like going back now as an adult, seeing all the home movies, it was on in the background of like Thanksgiving videos, you know, like the Thanksgiving Survivor Series pay-per-view. Here's me oblivious to it. I remember in third grade in 1998, you know, I on TV was Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Undertaker. Saw it, didn't care at the time. Next year, this is your uh, this is your life, rock. That whole famous segment that everybody talks about now with Dwayne Johnson and Mick Foley. You know that yeah. I remember that. Didn't wasn't enough to hook me. Two thousand. Inadvertently, my family's on vacation at Daytona Beach. Bash at the Beach pay per view where uh, Hulk Hogan walks out and you know Jeff Jarrett lays down in the middle of the ring and surrenders the world heavyweight title. I was there for that. Didn't remember any of that outside of two drunk guys fighting in the nosebleeds behind me. <laughs> oh, man. But here comes 2002. I, I start hanging out with these kids in middle school that are just gung-ho wrestling fans. Um, and then, you know, WrestleMania 18's coming up. It's The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. Icon versus Icon. Yeah. For whatever reason, that pay-per-view, like, just pulled me in. And then, you know, two months later, here comes a pay-per-view in Nashville, Judgment Day. Got nosebleed tickets, but, dude, you get to see a Hell in a Cell match. You get to see um, The Undertaker beat Hulk Hogan and win the WWE title. Like, okay, I'm 12 years old. I am hooked. And I just, yeah. I can't get enough of it. I can't get enough of it. As I start getting older, you know, and it's like, it wasn't the cool thing to like in high school. Shocker. You know, fat kid wearing wrestling shirts, acne, all that fun stuff. Um, yep. I actually find out my family in Memphis is connected to now WWE Hall of Famer Coco Beware. And he goes, you know, once you, if you want to do this uh, after you graduate college, which stuck out to me that he wanted me to get an education first, I'll train you after the fact, but get your education so that you have a fallback plan. So that happens. Two weeks later is WrestleMania 21. And I see this match that's first time ever, Shawn Michaels, greatest wrestler of all time, versus Kurt Angle, only Olympic gold medalist uh, in professional wrestling history. These guys go out and just absolutely tear it up. And I'm like, okay. I, at that time, I didn't understand what psychology or telling a story in a wrestling match was, but I was like, okay, that's it. 
that I want to do this because of this match right here. I want to do this. And from that point on, I was hooked. I was like, okay, got to get through high school, got to get through college, get my degree, and then I can train. But lo and behold, a kid that I went to high school with was actually um, wrestling at this should have been condemned. It's condemned now, but should have been condemned 30 years ago, hotel in Nashville called Stadium Inn. I oh, think <laughs> Elvis wrote a song about it and mm. ended up getting me in touch with the promoter of that show who actually knew Coco from uh, wrestling back in the Memphis days when that was a big hot territory. And he goes, you know, if you're going to keep going to college and training, I know this guy, I'll give you my blessing to do it. I, you know, and he trained me in the seediest of hotels in what used to be a buffet room. And ask, ask Joe about this. He'll tell you about how seedy this place was. <laughs> and, um, you know, like you get trained in this really nice ring and then gets time for your first match. That ring gets taken out because they had a falling out with the guy who owned it. They bring their old ring back in, which is nothing but carpet and plywood Oh, and shit. The, the ropes are literally nothing but, like, strings of duct tape around. So it is, like, the jankiest, like, third-world boxing ring you've ever been in. I have oh, my man. first match. I get a concussion in that match, but, I, I, dude, I'm absolutely hooked. The finish of the match didn't go the way it was supposed to. Nothing. But it's just, like, I'm hooked from there on out. And, you know, I did that. I tried to retire two times in the middle of that, like, getting married Having a kid, got pulled back in, thought I was done in 2018, and nope, here we are now, 2022, and I'm right back in the middle of it. It's just like, you, you can't walk away from it. And it's, I, I've come to realize that it's just the performance high more than anything else that like just that keeps me hooked on it, whether it's oh, yeah. voice acting, improv, wrestling, like it all somehow ties hand in hand, and it just, Dude, it, it's just a high that has kept me addicted for like over 15 years now. Amen to that. Amen to that. And actually, that's going to lead into one of my other questions. Uh, since you mentioned that you're an English major. Uh, yes, sir. Where does your love of uh, language come from? <sighs> Truth be told, um, and this is still something that irks me to this day because I have um, friends and previous guests on this show who still try to get me to help them write their resumes or, or whatever, but... Mm. It just it goes back to high school and even as back far back as first grade. My first grade teacher, I actually um her name was Miss Reasonover. Gotta give her a shout out because she was just a huge help even up till college. Um, you know, like she just made learning fun for me. And then having her daughter as my AP English teacher my senior year of high school, like they just made it all fun and it was a subject that a lot of people just would dump on because they said it just it wasn't fun. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the stories. I enjoyed reading. I just, I loved all of it. And I wasn't the most, and I'm still really not the best math person. So oh, I, just, I can't do math to save my life. Like, okay. Whenever, so I'm in, I'm in good company. Yeah. yeah like, the, like when the, when the bill comes, when I'm out with friends and it's time to split the check, I, I'm like literally sweating bullets. It's yeah, just like, exactly. Oh God, uh, all right. So 10% of a dollar is. Did I move the decimal two places, one place to the left, to the right? You know, it just so 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 the green lanterns are powered by will, the yellow lanterns are powered by fear. But if you combine a blue lantern with a green lantern, why do I know this? And then the three sides of a right triangle factor in here, uh, the Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> um, how does this? And, help and, me and that, usually, at that point, that's when my friends say, "Forget it, I'll pay." 
See, that's a routine right there. That, that works out just fine in your favor. But, I mean, in all honesty, I figured it was a chance to have something that I love and would keep me away from math because I only had to take, yeah. like, my first year of college, two math classes, and that was it. But yeah. as I've graduated, I've literally done nothing with that degree. You know, yeah. I, I guess outside of being able to read and speak into a microphone, but I don't <laughs> – you know, it's like my, my nine-to-five job, it has nothing to do with that. But yeah. – Hey, you know, it's just, had I gone into teaching, I think I would have ended up pulling what little hair I have out now at this point. But that was on the table at one point, too, to be an English teacher. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, to switch gears just a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm, from the, I'm from the Northeast, uh, mm-hmm. lived in the Southwest, uh, out here in Cali now. Um, I've never been to the South. And I've always been curious about it. Um, and of course, like there's all the stereotypes where it's just like people, like people down south, like it's like, oh wait, 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 you're going down to Alabama? Are you going to marry your third cousin? It's just like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm going to go have my cousin. Hey, you know, oh, hell, you hell yeah, bub, I'm gonna marry my fourth cousin. I ain't blood. Yeah, cause tell you one thing right there. It's just gonna tell you right there. My best man's my dog Skeeter. Too bad he ate the ring. Man, uh, man Skeeter, Skeeter, pretty damn cool, man. Skeeter's pretty damn cool. Yeah, he was pretty cool, but I mean, of course, there was that time he didn't got hit with a in the head what with uh, the cow's hoof. But you know, could be worse. He could have used to have been smart. Um, I am never going to be allowed on this podcast again. I've alienated all of your oh, listeners. I'm, you're, no, I, I I'm opening that door back. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the shield oh. up to protect you. You're good. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, no. And all seriousness, for someone who's uh, never had the chance to visit uh, the South. Um, what would you say would be like uh like the best qualities about like because obviously like uh it's not it, it obviously it's it's not going to be the stereotype but like what do you think of right. like uh, some best uh, qualities of it well unfortunately some of those stereotypes do exist but i will say the best thing hands down is probably going to be the food mm-hmm. and southern hospitality is still a thing but the food for sure um some of the sightseeing, you know, like some of the places you can go, like especially around Nashville, um, like if you get a chance to walk around like the Gaylord Opryland Hotel, man, that thing is amazing itself. And I'm there twice a month for uh, for work and everything, and I still get lost in there. But, you know, just there is a lot of hospitality, um, you know, but the food more than anything, the food is probably the best part of it because – I mean, there, there's a reason you hear about hot chicken, you hear about wings, you hear about barbecue, you hear about all that, and oh, man, gosh. it uh, it lives up to the hype. That's all I can say. All right, I got I got to get my way down south. I got to get my way down south. Man. Watch out for the potholes, and I'm more than happy to take you around too. So we got you covered on Please. that one. I live in Los Angeles and saw one pothole after another. <laughs> okay, so so t- Nashville is becoming the new L.A. All right, there okay. we go. That problem all solved right. right there. Uh, he froze there for a second. Uh-oh. He froze in a nice smile. Oh, uh-oh. He's still smiling. Oh, there he is. I see him. There you go. You froze on me, so I wasn't sure what you heard. <laughs> see, and I, and I, you froze on me, so I heard nothing other than my own commentary there. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, I was going to say, like, because uh, you, you came through just fine, and I'm just saying to myself, man, I got to get my ass down in the car and just, like, do a road trip or something. Yes. Yeah. And actually, um, too. I'll be out in California here uh, at the end of May, so I'm coming to Anaheim if you're anywhere near that area. Uh, you know, I'm about an hour away from Anaheim, but let me know, man. I'll, I'll oh, make the time. Yeah. I'll come down. I'll, I'll meet up with you. 
Nice, dude. Let's make it happen. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Sweet. I think you got one more question to throw my way in the meantime. So let's uh, yes. see what the yes. main event is. Make... Yes. My, my question is, um, I, I appreciate you guys uh, bringing me on the show and all that, trying to make me feel comfortable. Uh, why did you have Jeff dress up as a 19th century milkmaid? Well... I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That's not my question. That's not my question. <laughs> See, I had a, I had an answer right off the top of my head ready to go for that, too. <laughs> oh, what has this show become? Gentlemen, I've killed our host. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what has this and show become? And apparently I've also killed the engineer as well. Oh, dear. I thought he had a couple of nice jugs over there, but... <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, uh, no, I do. I, I do have. A, I do have a serious last yeah, question I... for you. Okay, um, going looking back where you are now, from mm -hmm. where you started the journey, what is the biggest lesson that you have learned, and what are you? And this is a two-parter. And then, what are you most uh, looking forward to uh, later uh, later on down the line? Man, um, I think the biggest thing that I can say that I have learned is that. And it's still something that I'm learning every day, so by no means am I proficient at this, am I an expert at this, because it's, it's an everyday process. And some days I fail at it, but learning that I'm enough, because for 32, 33 years by the time this comes out, I will have always been my own biggest critic, for one reason or another. And, you know, it's like I've, I, I felt like I've always had to audition for everything that came in. I've had to do this. I've had to do that. Was that audition good enough? Do I need to go back and edit this, edit that, you know, just whatever. And it's gotten to the point now where it's like, okay, this is happening for you. You don't have to audition for everything. There are certain things that are not in your wheelhouse. Stop trying to make it work. Focus on what does and realize that once you send it, it's out of your hands. You've done everything you can. You've got an audition that's the biggest hurdle to get over right there. Just you are enough and that's it. You know, just that's and just giving myself validation because I've always been a person that's okay, I did that. What's next? You know, just never getting a chance to actually enjoy the fruits of my labor. So that that's been the biggest thing for me over these last two years of pursuing acting again and voiceovers specifically. And then as far as it goes, um, I think as far as like big goals go, it's no secret that I want to um, be involved in some sort of Dragon Ball project or a Star Wars project. But yeah. if I yeah. could just if I could just keep booking consistently and make this my full time job for how I provide for my family, dude, chef's kiss. That's it for me. That's that's it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yes, sir. It's always, it's always also funny too, just because uh, it's it's not funny that you say that you're your own uh, worst critic. We all are, and mm -hmm. I am always down on myself, and that's something that I'm very, very. I'm not learning as quickly as I'd like, but it's something that uh, I am trying to learn more and more. As like, oh yeah, man, you don't have to be funny. You're enough. People will like you. You you got you've got it, man. And that's you're, you're fine. That's actually something that improv helped me with, and it helped. Uh, I've, everybody knows her now, uh, my little sister Jen, you know, like yeah. as one of the things, it's like, you don't have to try to be funny. You are naturally funny, and when the when the mood is right, or when the timing is right, something you say, whether you intend it to be or not, will be funny. You know, it's yeah. just, you don't have to try so hard. Just let it be. Cue yeah. the Beatles music, but you know, just, just let it be. <laughs> I mean, but that's, and again, it's, 
I, I don't know if it's just an acting thing. I don't know if it's a product of the society that we live in. But like you said, we are our own worst critics. And that drives me up, pardon my language, but it drives me up a fucking wall. Jesus H. Criminy, my fucking ears. <laughs> Doing your filthy, shitty mouth there. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, if I got to play this fucking shit in front of my kids... I'm fucking so I go get have, the fucking I'm soap and put it in my mouth. I'm sorry, okay? I'm, I'm sorry. For the love of, you know, you're, you're just making it worse with your fucking articulations of your jawbone, okay? Uh, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, no. Sugar. I'm sorry. I'm Stop sorry. Stop it. <laughs> what is this podcast? Be oh, this is... I swear, none of this was planned, and that's what makes it so awesome. That's why Jeff is as blue as his shirt over here. He's wheezing. He had no idea this was coming, so we win. We we have won at life. We have won. And, and the dress does flatter your hips, if you don't like me saying. I mean, I don't want to, like, uh, cross any lines with you there, man. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll give you my phone number afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I have no idea what's going on, but it is so fantastic <laughs> and magical. Oh man! Now, can I can I transfer this energy to the conference call I have to have tomorrow morning? Can I do um, that? You might want to distill it a few different ways, because trust me, if you just want to come in like this, I uh, may not have a job after that. Sir, we're gonna have to show you out of the corporate world. <laughs> yes. Wait. I mean, no, 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 no. Yes. No. <laughs> Oh man, no, dude, this is please. no my lifeblood, my work, how I'm defined by it. No, it. no more stiff uniforms. No, I mean, yeah, no. no. <laughs> oh man, dude, this has been a blast, and oh, man. dude, I I can't even believe that it's been what are we at? Almost in like an hour and a half now. Has it been already? Oh, dude, it's it's flown by, and I, I I swear I sound like a broken record. On every episode over the last almost year and a half at this point now, like, I, I these things fly by because it ends up being so fun. And, yeah. again, going back to, like, you and Eric meeting, it's like you meet these people, you get to have these conversations, and it feels like you haven't seen them in, like, a month, and you just pick up right where you left off. Yeah. This has been a blast, man, and I, I'm so glad that we finally got to make it happen. And we will be Thank making you. it happen again, that's for sure. Amen to that, brother. I'm looking forward to the next time. Yes, sir. And once we wrap up here tonight, I'm going to start looking at my calendar to see when we can make some of this happen because uh, I got to strike while the iron's hot and I got to get while the getting's good, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, brother. You got to get it done, man. Of course, of course. And, dude, it has been a pleasure, and I, I can't wait to do this again. So, man, thank you for being so generous, not only with your time, but with your story, being so vulnerable, being so open, and then just going back and forth with me, having some fun. This has been a blast. We choked Jeff. Uh, you know, he's still coming out of his blue phase over here. So breathe. Yeah, breathe. We'll have Jeff in a milk's out, a milkmaid outfit next go round. Possibly even a cow outfit. I don't know yet. He may have a Chick Fil A banner whoa, whoa, if they whoa, want to sponsor. Sure, sure. We want to keep some semblance of family friendliness in this podcast. <laughs> it's audio. They could, they have their own imaginations. Yeah, but when you put the bell on him, it does make a lot of noise. Ah, <sighs> see, this is why I'm glad I'm surrounded by smart people because I didn't think about that. <laughs> you can't sound treat or soundproof a cowbell, so there you go. <laughs> no, but seriously, man, thank you again, and to our audience, thank you for tuning in to this amazing episode and maybe i'm biased because it's my show but 
This was an amazing interview. I'm glad we finally got to do it. And I hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed conversing because this was a blast. It flew by and I hope you feel the same way about it too. And I hope you can't wait to hear Marcus back on the show again. But in the meantime, if you are looking for something to do to fill the time until he is back on the show, have you subscribed yet? Have you gone back in the archives on your preferred podcasting platform and listened to over a year's worth of audio content and goodness that I have look f- that I have loaded up for you, Jeff? Edit that out and make me sound professional. Um, <laughs> but seriously, we've got a treasure trove of audio, not only for this show, but for Tales from the Haunt as well. So if you're already ready for Halloween to come around again, go dive into the archives of that episode. God, I'm losing it. Go dive into the archives of that podcast and find out what it's like to be a scare actor. Find out what it takes to run a haunted attraction. Find out everything you want to know about all things spooky and get that fixed until October 31st rolls around again. And then, once you've gotten your fill of both podcasts, share them. Get those five-star and written reviews in if you think we've earned it. Get connected on social media. Get the merch. Check the show notes. Know that your purchases are going to help make donations to the local humane societies. And then tag us in your photos wearing said merch. And we will give you those shout-outs that are oh so sweet. I'll even do it as the macho man if that's what you want. And then we will get your name out there on the podcast and on social media. And I might even have Jeff drop an elbow off the top rope on you. Oh, wait, he just snapped into a Slim Jim. He's busy. Never mind. Um, But anyway, guys... You know what to do. Help us keep this show going. Help me keep bringing you quality guests like Marcus over here. And help me keep bringing him back in because I want this guy on again. You want this guy on again. I think Jeff, now that he's breathing and not eating a Slim Jim, wants him back on again. But you get the point. I want to keep bringing these conversations to you because it's fun for me. It's a great escape from reality. And I hope you all feel the same. But, man, for myself, for Jeff... For Marcus, before I continue rambling on here tonight, I just want to thank you all for tuning in again to another awesome episode. I can't wait to talk to you all again next week. And in the meantime, go listen to those episodes. Go do some good in the world and just take care of yourself. And we'll talk to you again next week with another awesome guest. And I know you hear me. Damn it. I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.